Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning, my friends. <clears throat> Hump day, middle of the week. You ready to go? You ready to do this thing? You ready to get your get your daily fix of all the news that's fit to print or chat about or or discuss or get educated in some way shape or form that's what it's all about this morning good morning and welcome uh thank you for coming in and joining us we have got a um we got a lot of stuff to talk about this morning we have got <clears throat> a lot to discuss and put together uh, first and foremost, we're going to uh, jump into this and talk about, uh, in hour one, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of stuff, including some of the latest uh, hot news from uh, around the state and around the, uh, and around the uh, well, the nation, especially when it comes to education. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the, some of the new, some of the new issues that appear to be popping up from around the world on uh, on all the stuff that's going on. And we're going to uh, uh, talk about education and what the public perception is on education and more. That's going to be the first start of the program this morning. And uh, we're also going to hit on some of the stories that are going around, including discussions on the flu, uh, the whole plane ticket debacle down in Anchorage and how it seems to actually be doing some good, question mark? I mean, I'm just not quite sure. Also, the, uh, the, the, the results are in on the whole rank choice voting uh, orgs that uh, got uh, that are the battle between the rank choice voting people. Uh, both the pro people on the Scott Kendall side of the thing and the anti people on the Matthias Art Matthias side of the thing, and APOC has now weighed in, and uh, it's uh, it's not good news for your hometown heroes. Not good news on that. So we're going to talk about that as well. A bunch of different headlines uh, for this morning in hour one, and uh, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines as well. So if you want to participate or sound off on these issues. We'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is give us a call, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear from you uh, on any of these topics this morning, and feel free to, to dive in and chit-chat about it and see what you, you know, just give us an idea of what you have to say uh, about any of these issues. Then in our two... We are uh, going to be hearing from State Senator Mike Schauer. Now, he should be joining us 
right near the top of the hour. <clears throat> fingers crossed that uh, fingers crossed that <clears throat> he is uh, he gets fair winds and was it what how's it go fair sailing and fair winds and smooth sailing I don't know whatever it is he's going to be uh, hitting the ground here uh, in Anchorage uh, in the next uh, forty five minutes or so so we hope to hear from him right at the top of the hour. Uh, and he should be joining us to discuss, well, kind of the, I think a little strategy on what's going on. And we're going to talk specifically about, um, uh, we're going to talk specifically about the spending, uh, that seems to be all the rage. I mean, this is part of what Brad was talking about yesterday in the weekly top three, all the different, uh, uh, commentary pieces and opinion pieces from a variety of different people who are affiliated with the uh, legislative leadership and all the different things that they want to do to try and make it all work and to try and tell us exactly how they need to spend that money. So we're going to strategize, strategize, whatever, um, the, uh, to see how we can push back on some of this stuff because otherwise... Oof, baby. I mean, there's going to be, again, there's not going to, that whole chart thing from Brad Keithley yesterday, I'm still, I was thinking about that later yesterday afternoon after we discussed it. And all I could think about is that's, they're going to push this hard. They're going to say, well, there's only this much money in the ERA and it's just not enough to pay dividends. And uh, we need that money just in case for state government. We got to have some cash flow. And of course, what does that mean for you and me? It means, well, they'll be taking pretty much all of the dividend, and then they'll be coming back uh, later and saying, well, you know, we just don't really have enough money to run everything, and, you know, Alaskans are really not paying their fair share. And, I mean, it, it's the beginning of the end. It's what it is. It's the beginning of the end of the PFD. So we will chat with uh, State Senator Mike Schauer about that and see what uh, we'll see what he has to say on that and so much that and so much more that's all uh, that's all coming up so <clears throat> if you are already uh, I suppose we can just uh, get started and dive right into this this morning uh, and I can't see the comments for some reason from the chat room this morning so I'm jumping around to a little bit different uh, um, there you go. Uh, just so that I can get a little bit of a different, uh, uh, view here of things. I'm trying to get, uh, trying to get it so that I can actually view the comments this morning in the chat room. Okay. All right. Uh, got it. Got it for now. Okay. So, um, where do we want to start? I want to get into this education thing, but it's going to be, oh, Hey, look, it popped. Everything popped back up. Amazing. Amazing. I love it when a plan comes together. Okay, uh, so I want to, I do want to start and talk about this, um, to talk about this education thing, but it, this may require a deeper dive and a bigger show. So we'll see, we'll see how it feels here as we go through these other stories first. We'll tackle the other stories first. How about that? Because I think it's, uh, I think it's important. So let's start off with. What do we want to start off with? 
Um, let's talk about what's going on down in Anchorage. Now, many of you are like, I could care less about it. And I know, I know, I feel you. I know what you're saying. Who cares? I don't live in Anchorage. Um, I used to feel the same way. Um, you know, I used to feel the same way, but I slowly, but surely I came to realize one thing as goes Anchorage. So goes the, I mean, Anchorage has the lion's share of the, of the population of the state. And so if we're not paying attention to what's going on in Anchorage, it very well could be that whatever's happening there could in short order, come to our own doorsteps in our own, in our own communities. And so we should be paying close attention to what's happening there. Uh, because there are some things to be learned, some lessons to be learned, and um, and we we should we we should really we, again just pay attention to what's going on. So a couple of things came up. Uh, first and foremost, uh, after 16 years as the head of uh, AEDC, the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation. Bill Pop is looking for a new job. He wants to be mayor. Now, we teased this here, oh, I don't know, probably three or four weeks ago. We mentioned this because the rumor was out and it was around town and it had been happening and, and there'd been talk at a couple of the chamber meetings and everything else. And so this is not a big surprise to many of us. But uh, he did it. He announced his candidacy as a, at a press conference yesterday, uh, or on Monday, rather, becoming the latest to join a growing list of people who want the job that Dave Bronson currently has. Um, in the decision, uh, Pop said he'd been considering it for quite some time. And now, uh, Bill Pop is a heck of a nice guy. I've uh, met him and talked to him several times. I actually have had him on the program in the past, um, especially when the program was based in Anchorage. I had him on the program a couple times. Heck of a nice guy, but he suffers from something that I see a lot of people uh, who are in his, similar positions to him. He suffers from some of that same issue, which is everything, all the solutions that he's looking for, seem to revolve in some way, shape, or form around government and government expenditure. Now, the Anchorage Economic Development Corp. is just like uh, the Fedco and Fairbanks, and I'm sure the Kenai Peninsula has something very similar, where they've got somebody working there to try and bolster the economic engine and bring people in and businesses and try and attract people to come in and do business in the communities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Except again, the problem with many of these institutions is their only solution that they can see is not getting out of the way, is not <clears throat> you know, reducing uh, restrictions and regulations and finding ways to make it more free for small businesses to thrive and everything else. It seems like most of the solutions revolve around government spending. Now, these are government employees, right? I mean, it, it may be not directly. They may not directly work for the city or borough or municipal governments, but their salaries are paid by uh, grants and, and uh uh, you know, from from various entities, governmental and everything else. So, I mean, these are quasi-governmental employees who are out there trying to say, 
we can fix this, but only with the help of a benevolent government can it all work out well. I'm being a little bit facetious, but you could see the whole you could see where you could see where things are going on this, right? I mean, this is this is kind of the direction that they all seem to take. So now this guy, again, heck of a nice guy, but he seems to want to be running the whole show. Now, I haven't seen and again, maybe it's just me. Maybe somebody will call in and point out exactly where I'm wrong on this. But after watching for years, I watched Fedco in Fairbanks, the Fairbanks Economic Development Corporation. And then over the last 10 years, I've been kind of keeping an eye on what's going on with AEDC. And um, can you point me to one thing where they were instrumental, instrumental in bringing a new industry or a new um, or a new business or something to, new to the table? I have not been able to find one thing where they were absolutely key and instrumental, and it was only through their influence that some business or organization or industry came into town. They talked to a lot of people, and they may have had some ancillary, you know, done some ancillary good, but I have yet to find one instance where they do this kind of stuff. And these organizations receive grants in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year range. Um, I mean, in Anchorage, I, I, it's it's even bigger than that. I mean, I, we're 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 reaching into the we're reaching into the seven figure range in that. So this guy's been the head of AEDC for sixteen years. Now he wants to run for mayor. He said, "It struck me this year that our city needs to recapture its direction and vision." He's a vision guy. We really, we've just lost our way. We are more thinking about, uh, we are more about thinking about issues and problems in the now as opposed to thinking about the tomorrow. Well, that's a politician problem more than anything else. I don't think that that's strictly just an Anchorage city problem and more. Uh, he said he would work to fix what he called a broken relationship between city government and the Anchorage Assembly. Which, I mean, look, there's blame to go on each side. I don't think it's just the, do you just want to get with the assembly and go along to get along and be faced with their mandates? Is that what you're going to be? Just a yes man instead of, I mean, I'm not saying that everything that Bronson has done has been golden. I'm not saying that, you know, that they're necessarily always making the right call or doing the right thing. Just because he's at odds with the assembly, that's a philosophy thing, right? You got the one side, you got a, a, a very conservative person versus a very progressive or liberal assembly. There's going to be some head button and some tension there. Maybe more than there, is, there should be. But what are you saying here? I'm going to go along to get along. I want to fix that broken relationship. There is a strong uh, you know, separation of powers between the mayor's office and the assembly for a reason. Now, maybe it's gone a little too far. Uh, maybe there's some skeletons in the closet, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, I don't know. But I just, I, this idea that somebody who for the last 16 years has been living on the, I don't want to say the dole, the teat, the, the, you know, feeding at the government trough. Okay. That's still bad. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to, to, um, to put it in such a negative, someone who has been dependent on government monies 
to further the I just I just don't see that as being a great choice. Uh, I'd love to see if somebody wanted to run against Mayor Bronson and they were a business owner, they worked in private industry, they did. I would much rather see those kind of competitors rather than a Chris Tuck, who was a state legislator, or uh, Bill Pop, who's worked for government for 16 years, 16 plus years, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just watching this. I'm just watching this all go down. And I know there's going to, this is going to be, an, this, this race in Anchorage, which is in April, by the way, is going to be nasty. Yeah, I know. They hold, their gen, they hold their municipal elections in April. It's always thrown me for a loop. Why? But it is going to be nasty. I guarantee it. All right, we got more coming up. We're going to continue. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Well, good morning. Good morning, sunshines. I don't know what was going on. I had to actually, I was jumping over to Facebook to uh, try and see at least some of the comments because it said there was nobody watching. I mean, it was like 10 minutes after and that there was nobody in the chat room. And I'm like, that's weird. Is this thing actually on? And that's when I <clears throat> took a browser tab over to actual Facebook and I could see you were there. Um, and uh, anyway, it all popped in eventually. It all popped in. So here we are doing doing our thing. Um, let's see. Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, say our service. It looks like, uh, yeah, it's, it's raining. It's raining outside. It's 45 degrees and rain here in, uh, in the, uh, in the old Valley. Okay. Winter is coming. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, uh, order heating oil. Oh man, Order, ordered heating oil yesterday, says Rick. $4.49 per gallon. That's actually not bad. I think the last time I bought heating oil up in Fairbanks, it was over $5 a gallon. Now, that was 10 years ago, but you get my point. All right. Um, ba 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 ba. 36 degrees in North Pole, says Jim. Ooh. Hey, what's up? Valves over on Twitch. Hey, what's up? What's up? Uh, all right. Anchorage is having a shrew population explosion. Yeah, I mean, that happens a lot in the fall. Um, Natasha. Um... Always is looking for his next job, says Brian. I mean, that's the way a lot of this, you know, this government stuff works. I mean, they're just looking for their next job. That's what it's all about. Um, uh, 
Anchorage has transitioned into an ugly town, says Sherry. Quite sad. Once a beautiful town that was a true community. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's one of those things. I mean, it, 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 like I said, the whole thing is just nasty, nasty. Uh, Harold says he likes the Anchorage gridlock. Gridlock brings out the better solutions. And you know what? I, uh, in some ways I agree. I mean, again, what Bill Pop is proposing is that everybody kumbaya and come together and get on the same page. And that just means they want to fast track a lot of this stuff that, you know, I mean, it's supposed to have, that's why there's separation of powers. And that's why there's opposing parties and different viewpoints, because sometimes that gridlock is a good thing. It keeps them from fast-tracking a lot of expenditures and programs that you may not like in the uh, long run. Um, uh, all right. Alignment was achieved. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. In 16 years, being part of the Anchorage Swamp, him running for mayor reflects how dumb he thinks folks are, says Sherry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it necessarily reflects that. I just think it's a sign of the times that there you go. You know, there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, did you ever think you would see, first of all, Brian says it's Seattle North. That's what the Anchorage is. And Sherry said, did you ever think you would see Anchorage be like this? Well, again, I've only been down in the South Central area for 10 years. And I've worked in Anchorage for those 10 years, but I've lived in the Matsu, which is... So much nicer. So much nicer. But, uh, I mean, it's not that surprising to me. It's not that surprising to me that this is where we're, where we're going. Big city syndrome, says Terry. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the problem. Big city syndrome. They think that they're Los Angeles, but they're not, really. And, in fact, most people would rather they not be like Los Angeles in that regard. Okay, well, we're about ready to rejoin the radio, so let's get back into it here. We'll have some discussions on this and more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking Radio. Good morning. Ready to go. Okay, so uh, lots of commentary from the chat room this morning. Um, you know, a lot of it talking about Anchorage and, um, you know, the kind of the whole thing that's going on there. Uh, Harold in the chat room said he likes, I like the Anchorage gridlock. Gridlock brings out better solutions. And in some ways, I agree. I mean, it's not like I want to see... You know, I mean, every time you see this in like Congress or something, oh, they've got the White House and the House and the Senate. What now it's all really going to get done. And it just it doesn't always work. You know, I think that the founders intentionally built in this whole idea of kind of opposing forces, you know, that maybe one philosophy holds the House and one philosophy holds the Senate or one, you know. And so that there's always kind of a logger because otherwise it gets way too smooth and they throw and they push through ideas and programs and spending and it all happens at this rapid pace that you can't pay attention to whereas if there's opposition and you know a little grinding there 
uh, it can come out with some better solutions. Some compromises can be met, although we seem to have lost the art of compromise in this country uh, that, you know, maybe maybe I'm just nostalgic in that hindsight and it wasn't really that true, but it seemed like that there was more compromise in the past. And that's part of what's supposed to be happening here. So I'm not mad about the whole thing between the mayor and the assembly. I will say that I'm definitely glad that I don't live in the city of Anchorage. I have to work there, but I'm glad I don't live there because there's some crazy stuff going on there. And on top of that, of course, you got the whole he said, she said, the battle between the Bronson administration and some of the accusations that we're seeing out of that. And now on top, I guess I should finish up just on the whole uh, on the whole uh, um, uh, Bill Pop thing when it was all said and done. Essentially, he, it, you know, his whole thing is that he wants to fix that broken relationship between city government and the Anchorage Assembly, as well as between the city government and the community. Um, he spoke out about efforts to keep youth from moving out of Anchorage, but said a main focus will be bringing in new investment. Okay, so let me let me dissect that for just a moment in my humble opinion you i mean you make you draw your own conclusions but let's pull back here and let's let's talk about that for a second he spoke about efforts to keep youth from moving out of anchorage if you want the youth to not move away you have to have more opportunity for them and that opportunity does not, because I know some people that automatically translates to, oh, well, we've got to get them into, we've got to have a great college so that they stay for college. And we got to do, not necessarily, because as I want to talk about here in this educational thing, college is, is slowly stopping from being the ultimate destination for many students. That is falling off the radar a bit. And I, I think, quite honestly, that's a good thing, that if kids want to go to college, it should be for something very specific, not that everybody's got to go to college and everybody's got to get a degree. If it's an underwater basket weaving or gender studies or, you know, 17th century uh, Romanian literature or something, I mean, you, there's got to be a reason behind it. You want to be a doctor. You want to be an engineer. You want to be a lawyer. You want to do, you know, there, there, there are specific reasons to go to college. But it's slowly falling off the must-do list for many Americans. And I don't think that's a bad thing. So when you want to keep youth from moving out of Anchorage, there should be opportunities for, yes, for education, whether that's the university or vocational check or on-the-job training and everything else. Those are all great things, especially the VOTEC. But the big thing is that there's got to be opportunity in the way of good positions that they can fill. Now, it's not government's job to create those positions. It's government's job, <clears throat> again, in my humble opinion, to get out of the way of businesses. You want to incentivize businesses? Get out of their way. Reduce reduce the regulations. Reduce the restrictions. Reduce the red tape. Reduce the tough things that you do to make having a business or running a business in your community tougher. You know, if you want to incent, I'm not a huge fan of subsidies through like tax relief and other, but I mean, okay. So if you want to give a startup some kind of tax break for a certain period of time, okay, 
I mean, I'm not a huge fan because everybody else is paying for it. But at the same time, uh, it's the lesser of all the bad things that you've talked about so far. You want to keep the youth from moving out of Anchorage? Foster and encourage an environment of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurism. Now, whether they go to work for somebody else or why not have some of these youth start their own thing, right? I mean, they could they could have a startup here. I mean, why not have a startup thing in Anchorage where they can find something and go on from? I mean, there should be opportunities there. But see, the answer is when they talk about keeping the youth from moving, the youth from moving out, youth from moving. When they talk about keeping the youth from moving out of Anchorage, it always ends up being more government spend. He said the main focus will be bringing in new investment. I'm all about trying to attract new investment, he said. I've kind of been working on that for the last 16 years. And how's that working out for us? I'm just asking. The track record. How How is that? Of course, all the other candidates are out there. Chris Tuck uh, is out there. Suzanne LaFrance is going to be pushing out there. Dave Colbury who ran an unsuccessful assembly uh, run last year, is now running for mayor. Um, He says his biggest priority is fixing the homeless problem, which I don't, you know, that's a whole show in and of itself. And, of course, Bronson is seeking re-election as well. So it's going to be a very, very busy season. As I said uh, before the break, this is going to get nasty. Uh, I just have a feeling that this race is going to be a bitter a bitter battle in October or in uh, in April on this whole thing. We'll have to see how that goes down. Uh, but now <clears throat> the Anchorage Assembly has decided to take off the gloves. The Assembly on Tuesday activated its subpoena powers in a continuing push for answers about the top city director's involvement in a challenge to the April 4th city election. Um, <clears throat> the measure follows the release of a final investigative report by the city ombudsman last month that called on Mayor Dave Bronson to fire the IT director, Mark Dahl. The D report detailed evidence that Dahl in his position as IT director appeared to have coordinated with an election observer who was also a former chief of staff of the mayor, to support an election challenge filed by um, uh, somebody, Sammy Graham, by that person. Ombudsman Daryl Hess referred the investigation results to the State Office of Special Prosecutions. He said he believes there may have been many violations of the state statute. The subpoena powers allows the assembly to compel witness testimony and the disclosure of documents, correspondence, and other records. I mean, this it just it just looks on top of this. Okay, on top of this, of course, we got the whole thing with uh, with Amy Dimboski and everything else. It's just this is just not a good look for the mayor. Now, maybe this is all a witch hunt. Maybe this is an attack. I don't know. Um, when you've got this secondary ombudsman's office that is going to look at all this and they're coming out with other information and they've actually turned it over to a special prosecutor, there's some questions that needs that need to be answered. But again, this just may be part and parcel. Like I said, this is going to be a, <clears throat> this is going to be a nasty election season. 
because this is going to be there. The Naboski thing is going to be there. And uh, and many, many other things are going on, uh, whether there's a, 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 a connection to some kind of impropriety during the election, which, I mean, again, is ironic given the whole state of the presidential election from 2020 and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just it's ironic that this is all going on um, and being, um, it, it, you know, being implied on this whole deal. But, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, we should be keeping a close eye on what's going on down in Anchorage because the place is a hot, 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 steaming brown mess right now. Um, but if we if we don't pay attention to it, what's you know what's going to come of it? What 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 happens? And could this be coming to your own hometown? Well, luckily, in some of these places, I think we are starting to really pay attention to what's going on locally. Uh, if I if I feel like I've done anything over the last 10 years is that I've tried to open people's eyes to the fact that they need to stop watching what's going on, not stop, but stop being vexed and focusing, hyper-focusing on what's going on on the national level. And instead, they should be focusing on what's going on in their own backyard because that's what affects you on a day-to-day basis. That's what can affect you right now, right here, not the amorphous maybe sometime in the future, but right here, right now. What's going on in your communities can affect you. And we've seen that. We've seen the, the change in Fairbanks where they were a very, very, very blue assembly, very progressive. When I left 10 years ago, there was like one person on a, you know, a, 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 on the assembly that was conservative and the rest of them were mostly progressives and with a few moderate left-leaning moderates, that, you know, mixed in. Now that's changed to where it's a more even balance. You've got a 5-4 balance on the assembly with conservatives versus uh, progressives. You've seen these other communities that are some of the reddest communities in the state, the Matsu and the KPB, where they are the reddest communities overall in the state, and yet their local governing bodies, the assemblies and the city councils and things like that, are, well, mostly blue. For the longest time. But I think that's slowly changing. I think people are starting to realize they've got to pay attention to what's going on in their backyard. And hopefully, uh, we're going to see what happens this October because you've got three in Fairbanks. Specifically, you've got three of the most conservative members up in Fairbanks um, who are up for re-election. And that'll tell. I mean, the and the only way to get out, the only way to to really know and protect it is you got to get out and vote. you got to get out and vote. And you got to know who you're voting for and you got to know those candidates. Those are the most important. I know everybody is talking about, you know, uh, orange man, good, orange man, bad, Biden, you know, the Muppet in charge. I mean, all this. Again, stop paying attention to that for a second and look at what's going on in your own hometown. The KPB, by the way, I got an email or I got a text, uh, not a te- I got tagged yesterday. The KPB is apparently not mailing out the voter book. For October, you have to find it online. Somebody tagged me in a post that said they're not mailing it this time. It's only available online. So if you don't know about the candidates, you better go and find out about them. I actually read through all the candidates yesterday in the KPB to try and get a feel for who was what and who was where. Um, but you you best go find out. They're apparently not going to mail it. That was the, that's what the post said. I didn't call the KPB and ask them, but the post said this is where it's at. It's online, so you got to go look at it. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they are mailing it out, and that was misinformation. 
but I know that I went out and looked at it online just to see what it looked like and see who was in the in the game, so to speak. All right, uh, we got to go. We're going to jump into this here and continue. I want to talk about this whole APOC decision from yesterday. And we will continue. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Mike Shower coming up in hour two. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay. Let's see what you guys are talking about here. Compromising with evil is not a virtue, says Jim. I don't know if that was about my comment about tax breaks for businesses. That may have because I said it was the lesser of all the evils out there. I mean, that, that's kind of my point the whole time when you, it's like, why, why, why did you vote for this guy or this guy? And I'm like, no, I voted for the third guy. Well, how could you do that? You gave the election to so-and-so. I'm like, well, you know, if you say I've only got two choices when there's more than two and I'm like the, 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 the one guy is really the lesser of two evils just because he's the lesser of two evils. He's that still makes it evil. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, uh, MD, please, says Jeannie. Kids should leave home. They should see the world and learn things from strangers, then come back and become well-rounded, contributing, well-seasoned adults. When did I not, When did I say that they shouldn't be? I agree. I left home. I left home right after high school. Uh, I went out to Kodiak and commercial fished and walked the docks and slept in a tent and, you know, lived and worked in a cannery and and uh, and then ended up going to Hawaii and worked over there for a year and a half and did all kinds. I mean, yeah, I went out and I did that. You're right. They should do that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm just saying that the first thing that I see was, oh, we're going to have to get this education. We're going to get to get. I mean, yes, there has to be something for them to come back to, though. That was my whole point. Um, let's see. New investment comes with a gas line from Prudhoe to Kenai. Um, uh, Brian, here's what Lisa Brian says here. Uh, you need to move your – this is Bill Pop. You need to move your business to Anchorage. Business owner, why? Dysfunctional assembly of state legislature who has no business sense. I mean, that's part of the problem. Uh, didn't giving away the Sullivan Arena, says Jim, fix the, you know, f- solve the homeless problem? No, because they, again, the Sullivan Arena is has been, I mean, they had, they spent millions fixing and renovating and paying all that stuff up. And now they're, now they're not going to, now they're, they're not putting them back in there. That was why they got the hotel and everything else. Um, uh, Cindy says, Kelly Sizek is running for the KPBSD Board of Education. Good conservative. Yeah, I mean, there's some uh, it's some interesting. If you read the statements from the different candidates on there, they don't put affiliations or anything in, in the book. But you can read between the lines on some of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, 
uh, yeah, Greg confirmed. He said that they aren't, they aren't mailing out the voter book. So you got to go online and read it. <sighs> okay. Um, the Matsu Assembly, Wasilla City, Palmer City, and School Board are 99% conservative right now. I, I, I know, but in the past, it hasn't been that way, Terry, right? There have been. When I first got here, the Assembly in the Matsu was kind of purplish, more blue. You know what I mean? So, again, people have been, you know, people have been watching. We just got to keep paying attention. That's the thing. That's what's going on. Um, it's about paying attention, says Gordon on YouTube. It's about paying attention to local politics. You have to. I mean, stop paying attention to what the Muppet in Chief is doing. Although, my God, I watched him the other day. That guy is losing it. I mean, there is just... <laughs> Did you watch that press conference when he was uh, over in Vietnam? Did you watch the press conference where he's just like, I got my notes. I, I, I. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, it's the same kind of thing that Mitch McConnell did the other day, right? And again. And then now Nancy Pelosi's announced at 83 that she wants to run for another two-year term. And she's like, I, 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 I mean, come on, people. Really? Really? People can't even tie their shoes or walk up a flight of stairs. I mean, I'm just like, oh, man. Anyway, um, we should be paying attention to local politics. That's that's what it all comes down to. Um, uh, anyone hear about a plane crash last night? I did not hear about a plane crash last night. Um, vote Adam Bertoldo. Said Chris, man, this thing is, I don't know what's going on. Why is this so slow? Uh, vote Adam Bertoldo for assembly if you live in Nikiski, said Chris. And I guess his wife is running for school board too, because there's another Bertoldo with the same basically bio running for school board. So they're running for assembly and school board. <laughs> oh, that'll be interesting conversation. Uh, but yeah. I mean, there's there's some good stuff out there. Pay close attention to what's going on. All right, uh, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, okay. Uh, breaking news. Um, I see that there is... Uh, sorry, I'm just... I'm getting the update here. There apparently was a plane crash. Um, I'm just looking to see if that was... Apparently, Must Read was reporting that... Well, I don't know. Is that true, uh, uh, Willie? I can't see the. I don't see that story or that update. 
There was a plane crash uh, that happened uh, last night, and there's been some reported deaths. But until I can, till I can, uh, till I can uh, confirm it uh, with the names, I don't want to throw the names out there just as specula- on speculation. So I'll uh, I'll see if I can get some details on it. But apparently, well, there it is. Um, um, it looks like that okay sorry i'm just i'm trying to pull the story up this story just came to me like right at the last few minutes uh we have a few details but last night gene peltola died in a plane crash um and rep mary peltola is on her way back from dc more details are said to be coming this morning uh he was working on some business opportunities when he died um we'll get some more information on this as we go through but apparently, Rep Peltola's uh, husband apparently has perished in a plane crash, according to Mustry. I guess I'll put it out there. Okay, um, sorry about that. Let's uh, let's continue on uh, and talk about. Uh, we got Mike Shower coming up here after the top of the hour. But I got one more story. I'm glad I didn't get. I'm glad I didn't start on that education thing because I guarantee you that will be a three segment rant on that education stuff because. Um, well, for a variety of reasons, I was of the generation and my father is probably still in the chat room. I'm assuming my dad is still in the chat room. He always joins in the morning. So, um, and my, so my father can attest to this. Um, and I don't, don't take this as me being critical of him or anything else. But when I was younger, that was everything that he wanted. That was everything. Let me, let me. Let me straighten that out. He wanted me to go to college. He was like, this is, you know, his push was, you know, you got to do it. You got to go to college. It's the only way you're going to be successful. He had been a, he'd been a student at UAF and he wanted me to be a student at UAF. And um, I saw a different path. Maybe it's because of my stubbornness. Maybe, um, I don't know. But I decided I didn't want to. I went to one semester of college, one semester, two semesters, one semester of college, and decided that's not for me. It's just not what I want to do. And I went off and I have become moderately successful in my chosen career path. Right? So here I am 35 years later. And uh, I've done okay. I've done okay. Uh, But that whole generation, that was what we were all, we all needed to go do those things. And that's slowly changing. That's slowly changing. And so there's a whole, there's a whole show baked up and around that. We might do that tomorrow uh, on the program when we talk about it. Maybe in hour one, we'll talk about the the whole education thing. Because Nick Baggage is going to be on the program in hour two tomorrow. So I forgot to mention that earlier. So there you go. All right. Well, let me let me go over here to the final story that I wanted to um, get to, which is the APOC, the Alaska Public Offices Commission. They have now put their findings out. The commission, the staff at the commission have now put their findings out and they have found that Art Mathias, one of the leaders of the um, 
Rank Choice Education Association has uh, um, in, in, inappropriately or illegally funded the ballot measure by pushing the money through a church in Washington state. Now, this this whole complaint was originally brought forward by Scott Kendall, who is the author of the Ranked Choice Ballot Initiative and many other issues here in the state. Um, and APOC has been going through the whole thing, and they found that Art Mathias um, uh, was directed, you know, was in the wrong. The Ranked Choice Educational Association was incorporated as a church in Washington State late last year, and its status as a faith-based organization could grant tax benefits to its donor. But that is not within APOC's purview. They said they're not. They 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 said they can't even address that. Um, the APOC investigation was launched in a response to a complaint filed in July by Alaskans for Better Elections, who was Scott Kendall's baby and brainchild. The original ballot measure, of course, was adopted by a slim margin because they talked all about dark money. Uh, now, the ballot group led by Matthias and Philip Izon seeks to repeal the new method. The group's leader says the system is confusing and reduces voter turnout, et cetera, et cetera. The APOC investigation found that the ballot group violated state law by failing to report its funding and expenditures accurately and by failing to include necessary information about the source of its funding on its online materials. Now, the argument that Matthias and Izon have said basically are saying this is a this is not a I'm trying to I'm trying to parse out and nuance the differences here. Basically that they were saying, well, this is a church and its goal is to promote Christian doctrines and that the church is not focused exclusively on Alaska and through its activities they travel to several other states to speak about this kind of stuff. Um, the APOC staff found that Art Mathias had illegally, in their words, funneled $90,000 in funding for the ballot measure through the church. Um, Kevin Clarkson, who is the attorney for the ballot group, wrote in July that the speculations about the tax deduct that he basically said the IRS has is the only agency that has jurisdiction over the tax deduction, so that's not an APOC problem, which APOC acknowledged and didn't rule on. Uh, the report concluded that Matthias knew that his contribution would be repurposed to support the ballot group and state law bans individuals from making campaign contributions anonymously using a fictitious name or using the name of another. Uh, I mean, this whole thing is very convoluted and, uh, you know, that talks about the website and did the website do certain things and didn't have did it have certain disclaimers on it and everything else, kind of these Byzantine rules and layers of things that they want you to do. Um and I think the answer here is that I think that maybe the ballot group, uh, the Matthias ballot group, maybe should have, this is just my opinion, I don't want anybody to get mad at me, but maybe should have consulted an attorney before they started moving money around. I don't know what the whole thing, but this is a deal. What's the bottom line, though? APOC staff recommends that the ballot group be fined $10,000. They recommended that the entity itself, Alaskans for Honest Government, be fined $3,000. And then they recommended the largest fines for Matthias and the Washington-based church, 
The fines for Matthias were $22,500, and for the church, which is the Ranked Choice Education Association, it's a church, uh, about $20,000. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here. I just know that when you're fighting against a group that is led by Scott Kendall, you better get your own attorney involved in putting all the things together there because he will find something to try and skewer you over. I guarantee it. I guarantee it's going to happen. Uh, of course, this makes no mention of the separate complaint filed against Kelly Shibaka, also by Scott Kendall. And we'll we'll see what happens with that in the future. I just... Oh, man. All we're trying to do is to make things better. And even when we, I mean, just kind of a stumble and fall here. I don't know what the deal is. The whole APOC committee, the commissioners are going to meet and decide, but the recommendation, those were all recommendations as to the fines from the staff. So we'll see what the commission itself says. Hour two dead ahead, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. checking some audio to make sure that we're all good here all right we're all good we're all good so we're gonna hear from state senator mike shower here in just a mo in just a mo we'll be hearing from him um let me do this here i forgot to do a couple things There we go. I got it fixed. Okay. Let me go back to the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about. Yeah, ADN now reporting the same thing. That Gene Peltola has uh, passed away. So that's... uh, That's a tough... That's a tough situation. As much as I could disagree with her on certain things, that's a tough situation. So, oh, sorry, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. That's a, that's a, going to be a, it's a tough thing to, it's a tough thing to have to deal with. So my, my thoughts go out to them. Um, all right, let me go back up here. Wait, 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 Kendall is an attorney. Um, was that, uh, was that sarcasm, Jeannie? I mean, was that, is that sarcasm? Is that what you're, damn it. Why is this thing so messed up? My interface for the, (laughs) my StreamYard interface is so, is not, is so wonky. It's just not working as well as it should. I don't know what's going on. Like normally highlight your comments. It just does not want to highlight There it goes. Okay. It just popped up. Is it going to be, is it going to show? Can you see it? 
Can you see Jeannie's comment? Oh, it finally popped up. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All right. I'm going to try and remove it now. Last time I tried to remove it, it was like it just wouldn't go anywhere. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm happy to send a love letter to him via the Alaska State Bar. Well, yeah. I mean, Scott Kendall is that guy. Oof. All right. Um, I'm still going through the comments. Yes, my dad's been here. He said, yes, I'm here. Um, does anyone know if they caught that idiot running around the valley yet? Uh, I haven't heard anything, but we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Um, Terry says, it's been wonky the last couple days. Uh, she's had to refresh the page to keep the comments flowing. So I don't know if this is a problem specifically with Facebook or whether it's with StreamYard or what. But um, it's, yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on. But the last couple days, it has been really, like this morning when I started the program, for the first five minutes, I didn't show anybody watching. I had up in the corner, I could see how many people are watching and liking and everything. That was not, nobody was there and there was not a single comment. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens here. Okay. Um, let me close some of these browser windows. Maybe that's part of the problem is that I got too many browser windows open at the same time. Um, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about that. Uh, we can close that. I'm actually going to close all of these and maybe this will, maybe this will speed things up. I don't know. Uh, we'll close that. All right. <clears throat> so, oof, oh my God, the comment is still up there. Um, it finally went away. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a streamyard thing. Okay, so coming up in the next hour, we've got uh, State Senator Mike Shower is going to be joining us. Um, he hopefully is going to be landing any minute. Um, he said he's supposed to send me a text as soon as he hits the ground. I mean, not hits the gr <sighs> phrasing. Um, as soon as he lands, he's supposed to give me a text. I haven't heard from him yet. He's supposed to he's supposed to land any second. Um, and then uh, he'll call in and we'll get we'll get all squared away. So it might just be the last two segments of the show that we uh, uh, we should be able to do it. Um, and then yes, the armed and dangerous guy in Wasilla. Um, Tony says I missed making the. Dude, this is so bad. Trying to trying to highlight these comments and I can't highlight them. It's just so nice when I could just click and they'd pop up. This takes like 20 seconds for it to pop up. Doty says, I missed making the six o'clock club by four minutes this morning. That's okay, Doty. You normally are there. You could still call yourself a six o'clocker. You know what? You know what would really prove that you're a six o'clocker? Buying the t-shirt. That's what would really prove. 
<laughs> then you could really, you could show it. You could hype it. You could be, yeah. I still think you're a sixer. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, hour two, dead ahead. Let's do it. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, you can also join us out on the interwebs uh, by going to Facebook or YouTube or Twitch. You'll find links to all that at MichaelDukesShow.com if you want to do that. Or just search up my name on any of those platforms, and you can join the chat room. Just you and me and 60-something of our closest friends hanging out here this morning uh, in the chat room talking about, well, whatever it is that we're, we want to talk about. Um, in this hour, we're going to be joined in just a moment by State Senator Mike Shower. Now, I expect it will probably be... The beginning of the next segment when he actually comes in uh, because he was uh, he was landing. He was landing. He was uh, <clears throat> flying in from the Midwest. Uh, so he's uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to be uh, touching down here shortly. And uh, he should be reaching out to us and talking about uh, all the stuff that we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes. So feel free to uh, feel free to stick around and tune in for that tomorrow. I think I've decided tomorrow I'm going to spend the first hour um, just going over this whole uh, this whole edumacation thing that we were just uh, we were just going to talk about Um, the I want to I want to I'll give you a little bit of a tease. Here's a little my Lord. Here's a little bit of a tease. Uh, This was uh, in Reason magazine last week. Uh, Americans are increasingly saying school sucks. Recent public opinion polls show that young Americans' attitudes towards college are turning increasingly negative, according to the New York Times. The percentage of young adults who have said that a college degree is very important fell to 41% from 74, almost in half. Only about a third of Americans now say they have a lot of confidence in higher education. Among young Americans in Gen Z, 45% say that a high school diploma is all you need today to ensure financial security. And in contrast to the college-focused parents of a decade or two or three or four ago, now almost half of American parents, almost half 
say they'd prefer that their children not enroll in a four-year college. Perhaps colleges being some of the last institutions to cling to insane COVID regulations and restrictions played a role in that, but there's got to be more to it than that. And we're going to dive down into that uh, tomorrow. But more and more, that's what more and more places are saying. Um, Again, one of the silver linings from the pandemic was kind of shining a light in the dark, dirty, and dank cockroach-infested corners of the education establishment to show that, is it really about the children or is it really about something more? Social justice and equity and all these other things. It, uh, it, it, it should be, a. I mean, I'm, it's a fascinating topic. And again, I think that there is definitely a place for college in the educational system and what we're doing, but that we have disproportionately bent that whole thing so out of shape over the last 35 or 40 years that, um, it is, you know, I, I think it's finally, I think it's finally course correcting back right now to see what's going on. Because again, I'm a I mean, I guess you could call me a success story. Um, I am a high school graduate with one semester of college, and lot and a lot of self learning. I love to read and and understand and study certain things that fascinate me, and so I went out and did that. I the college was not for me, much to the chagrin of my my dad especially. He he was very concerned. Because that, I'm sure, is the dream for all of his kids. Uh, surprisingly, only one of his four children ended up going to college. Um, and she she now works for the, well, no, she doesn't work. She worked for the college for a while. Now she's off doing her own thing. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's ironic because I, none of us seem to have really been built for that kind of environment. None of the kids in my family. Myself, my brother, my two sisters, none of us really seemed to be built for that uh, framework. It was like a square peg, round hole kind of thing. Um, And we've all done well, right? So there is success in that. And I think, uh, ironically, it uh, it's starting to swing. The pendulum is starting to swing back the other way. Now, it took 40, almost 50 years for it to swing back the other way. But it's slowly coming back around. And when when that whole thing happens, when that when that as it continues to decline and we we've talked about we had Emma Camp on the program here recently from Reason talking about that decline in student enrollment and how a lot of universities are starting to get a little bit uh, quaky about some of this stuff. I think it's going to be a whole it's going to be a whole deal. So anyway, tomorrow, hour one. We'll dive into this and talk about this and and uh, and and look into some of the stats and some of the polls and what people are saying and how and what the trends are in that because it's a fascinating fascinating discussion and I think very applicable to what we have going on in uh, right here in Alaska as well. I mean, we keep hearing about how the universities and all the stuff need more money and and through we got three different administrative systems underneath one. It's over. I mean, it's it's a money pit, folks. It is a money pit that the trends are showing probably not going to be as necessary in the future as they may think it is. 
I mean, there's still plenty of people out there who are who are utilizing the mantra of go out there, get a good education, get a good job, you'll be successful. And what you're finding is that a good education, the definition of a good education is changing. It's changing from that four-year college degree to maybe now a VOTEC or to a rocket course or some kind of advanced high-speed learning course that go, you know, only cost a few thousand dollars and goes over 90 days and then gets you placed uh, in the industry of your choice that you're working on. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that I can get behind. So we'll talk about all that tomorrow in the 6 a.m. hour. Then in hour two tomorrow, we're going to be joined by um, uh, we're going to be joined by Nick Begich. Nick Begich, uh, candidate for U.S. Congress, will be joining us. And we'll be talking with him about the candidacy, about things that are going on. Um, I see, what was the headline? I, I caught it in passing, and I wasn't really paying attention to it. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Republic? Uh, no. Um, oh, they must have they must have moved it because of the Peltola thing. Uh, anyway, that they're now we're we're back up against the debt ceiling thing again. Now we're talking about, uh, you know, now we're talking about uh, a whole package of spending or a short-term fix for the fiscal crisis in the U.S. We're not talking about a long-term fix. We're not talking about simple arithmetic and uh, f- fixing the numbers and doing all that stuff. So we'll see what uh, what uh, Nick Begich has to say about that tomorrow. He'll be on board to talk with us, and then uh, on. Uh, uh, on Friday, of course, it's Firearms Friday, and I think we're going to be talking with Jacob Sullum, who is going to give us the latest on this New Mexico thing, which, if unless you've been living under a rock, the New Mexico governor declared a state of emergency over gun violence and basically said that that prevents people from being concealed carry, armed, and, and every, I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, I mean, she lost her ever-loving mind. Um, you want to get impeached, that's how you're going to get impeached. And they're already talking about impeachment proceedings against her in New Mexico right now. I don't know if it's going anywhere, but I'll tell you right now, it's blatantly on its face unconstitutional. So we'll see what, uh, we'll see what, uh, what happens there with that. So that's on Friday and we should be all good to go. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Hey, look, my phone rang. Uh, I think that means that state Senator Mike Schauer is ready to join us. Let's uh, check in and see if that is the case. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Well, apparently, apparently I can hear him, but he can't hear me. I'm going to have to call you right back, bud, to make sure that this works. I'll call you right back. Uh, so I'm going to call, you know, tech issues. It's just me and, you know, it's just me and one of the, we're going to fix that right now. Let's just get him on the phone and we'll go from there. How about that? We'll see. If we, there we go. Now I can hear it. There you go. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. How are you, my friend? How, how are, how are things going? You all ready to go? Uh, I'm ready for you to keep me awake on my drive home. (laughs) He's been up all night. And I told him, I said, well, we could push this. He's like, no, no, no. I need you to talk to me. Keep me awake. It's going to be a long night. So it's better than coffee. Trust me. I'm only here to raise your blood pressure, sir. That's, that's all. It's all. That's all I'm here about. It's just, I'm here to raise your blood pressure. 
Um, it works. Uh, all right, Mike. Well, let's uh, let's let's get started here and uh, start talking about some of the different stuff that uh, that's got going on. And uh, and and first and foremost, how how things been? We got about two minutes here. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds before we're going on, but. Have you been following uh, everything that's uh, been going on in the state? Did you see the 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 F-16s intercept the civilian Super Cub and everything? What's Are you watching yeah. any of this stuff? I saw that. But to be honest, Mike, that happens almost every time there's a TFR because it moves and the president. And to be fair, they didn't say nothing about Biden per se. I mean, every president does this. They, they make such a big deal of it. They have these big 30-mile TFRs. 30 mile wide and it almost always catches somebody. And now you're coming to Alaska right. during hunting season. Yeah. Really? And you think there have to be little airplanes buzzing all over the place. I mean, come on. So, T- TFR is a temporary, TFR is a temporary, yeah. Temporary flight restriction. Right. So, I mean, that's the thing you're supposed to check those things, but if a guy's been out hunting and he's been out in the woods for a week, 10 days, he doesn't know what's going on. He climbs into his plane pre-flights and heads in. Um, I guess yep. you, you just, you didn't, you didn't get the memo, so to speak. Uh, yeah, and, and it's not a big deal. Cause you know what they're going to do for most of these guys, Mike, they're going to, they're going to interview them. They're going to, that's exactly what it's going to be. He's like, Oh man, I didn't see it. I was hunting up something. They're going to go, what? Don't do it again. You know, cause it's, it's not malicious. It wasn't trying to attack the president. It was just a honest mistake. And usually, usually they're pretty good unless somebody bows up and, you know, does something really stupid. You know, people have tried to fly by, like, the president's ranch. I know it happened in Bush, uh, down Bush in Texas. Somebody tried to fly by his ranch, and, of course, they intercepted I think they arrested him. I think he got in big trouble. But that's different, right? You're you're pushing the bubble on that one. But honest mistake, I mean, to be fair to him, they don't usually hammer guys too bad for an honest mistake. It's just, you know, whatever. And it's exciting for the pilots. Like, woohoo! I get a real mission. I get to go figure out how to not stall my you know, $200 million fighter trying to chase a super cub at 70 miles an hour. That's the thing. I'm trying to figure out if you're in an F-16, how do you fly? You try and do the wing waggle next to a super cub that's going 80 miles an hour and you're flying an F-16. I'm like, how do you, I mean, what the heck? I could do it in a Raptor, but you wouldn't be able to do it in an F-16. Yeah. I mean, I could do it in an Eagle either. That would be zoomies, right? I mean, you're you're zooming by basically. (laughs) I, like I said, a Raptor, you can get to the high alpha and you can and put in a lot of power and you can really slow down and do it. But it's about the only jet out there, at least we have, that can slow down to Super Cub kind of speeds. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can't do 30 miles an hour, but, you know, 70 or 80, you can hold that, believe it or not. The jet can do it. So it's not optimum and the people underneath you are going to be pissed off because they're making a heck of a lot of noise. But possible. I've done it. So. Well, that that F sixteen made a heck of a. I was in the it was in the office in Anchorage uh, when it went by, and it was rattling. The, I was like, "What is going on out there?" So I mean, you know, when you got to zoom by a Super Cub at three times its speed, and, and you know, catch my wing waggle as I go by. <laughs> That's why they had to pop flares, yeah, apparently. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, yeah to get their attention, or you do the uh, supersonic because you know you're cleared hot to go supersonic and get to the. You know, if something's going on, that's kind of cool sometimes because you don't get to do that often. So <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a story. We come off the break about old, now retired four-star that got in trouble back in the 90s up here for okay. that. I'll, okay. I'll hold that story to that. You hold that story for the other side, then we'll get into the politics of things. Mike Shower is our guest. We're going to be back here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back.
We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Mike Shower is our guest. Um, Chris says, why does Mike sound like he's talking into a tin can with a string on it? Because he's in his car driving home from the yep. airport. And so that's why. Yeah, I, I got the earpiece in with the uh, the car bouncing around, so not perfect this morning. But that was the only option. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, 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 works, that works out. Let me go back here real quick and see what... Um, you guys have been talking about while I was on my little rant there for a little bit. Um, Terry says, because the parents know their kids will be indoctrinated. That was about talking about the education thing. Uh, Chris says, I feel sorry for those people paying back their federal student loans. I feel sorry for the people who are being forced to pay it back. And then all the other people are getting let off the hook. I mean, the thing is you knew it when you took the loan, right? You knew it when you took the loan. And, uh, I mean, I took out a loan for that first year of college and didn't, I ended up quitting after the first semester. I still had to pay the loan back. I still paid it back. It, I mean, it, you know, you had to do it. Uh, Cindy says that four-year education is turning into an indoctrination of feelings. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. Chris says building trades apprenticeships is a good way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, trades for yeah, sure. Yeah, the trades for sure. I mean, and I think we're seeing a move towards that. More voc ed, more of what I call I call them the I call them this because somebody I read somebody else called them this rocket courses, where you know, for like example, in coding, where somebody's got a, pro, a proclivity or they've got some they've got some skill, it's a computer skill, and they pay six, eight, nine thousand dollars for like a three or four month course to become a coder and a programmer. And they get rushed through the course. I mean, they they get all they don't have to do all the other classes, and they just do this one course. They get certified, and then they actually place them in a job. I remember reading a story a couple of years ago about a gal who was 19. She had an interest in coding. She paid the money for this eight or nine thousand dollar thing. She had to go for I think four months, three or four or five months, and at the end of it, they placed her in a job making seventy thousand dollars a year. As a 19-year-old, and within 18 months yeah. or two years, she was making over $110,000. She had, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, sign me up for that, right? I mean, as opposed to going through all these other classes for a degree that I, you know, that's just as useless and can make me pump gas at a gas station just as good as anybody else kind of thing, you know? But Mike, but Mike, as the ShamWow guy, you should say, there's more. But you should wait. run for the legislature. Yeah. When but- you when you do that, now in Alaska, we did such a good job. You can make $120,000 yeah. a year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Pretty good gig if you can get it. I know. Pretty. It's good money. It's good money if you can get it. That's exactly what they got well, there. Well, so. Mike, I mean, come on. It's for the children. <laughs> it's for the children. <sighs> All right, uh, you just you're just here to piss me off. Is that the deal? Is that what you're here to do? That's it. It's my turn. See, I got to keep your blood pressure up and keep mine up. It works. Yeah, okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, anyway, so I guess that's it. Everything else. Uh, so education this morning. Huh? Yeah, we were talking about education. Oh, and Jeannie says there's been injunctions filed in New Mexico against the governor. I saw that, and like I yep. said, I think we're going to talk with Jacob Solomon Friday about it. But yeah, this lady, cool. uh, this uh, uh, Lujan Grisham, whatever she. I mean, 
there's a possibility she could be impeached over this for basically blatantly unconstitutional behavior. Yeah, well, Mike, I hope so. Anybody that violates the Constitution, if it can be proven in the court of law, they should be impeached. I don't believe you should hold office if you do that. Yeah. I don't care who it is, Republican, Democrat, president on down, man. If you're going to blatantly violate the constitutional rights of your citizens, you should be impeached. So that has to go to a court of law. These are alleged. Saw what she said. They have to make the decisions. But the point becomes, right? I mean, somebody should be held accountable. Yeah. Even judges, right? There are judges. We got one going oh, yeah. through the courts right now in Alaska for, you know, improper actions as a judge. And if it is proven that that judge acted incorrectly, they should be held accountable just like a citizen is because they're not above the law, even though many of our people in the highest halls of power seem to think they are above the law. Yep, absolutely. I agree. And that's the round. Now it's back to uh, back to your your respective corners, and we'll be back here in a minute. The Michael Duke Show continues. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, we're going to uh, he's going to tell us his story, and then we'll dive into some of the other topics for the day to see what he has to say about that. Uh, we'll be back. Please like and share, like and follow. Let's go, and uh, let's do it right now. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Uh, there's a pinch. I mean, it depends on how big your hands are, I guess. Uh, let's uh, go back to the uh, phones and uh, our guest, State Senator Mike Shower. We're going to talk about... <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about... Uh, uh, all kinds of stuff, but let's uh, let's start off before we went to break. Mike was going to give us a story because we were talking about that F sixteen uh, intercepting the Super Cub over Anchorage, which again, right tool, wrong job, right right job, wrong tool kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what would have been better, maybe some helicopters or something. But anyway, uh, Mike had a story for us that uh, that he was uh, going to come on board. So uh, Mike, uh, well, back to you actually. The good tool actually would have been an F-22. You can get slow enough to right. higher alpha with the power, and you can actually slow down, and you can do I used to do about 75, 80 miles an hour at high alpha, you know, a full afterburner, and you could hold the nose there like in the air show profile going real. So you could do it, yeah. Anyways. It would be loud, though. It would definitely be rattling oh, some windows oh, on the ground, yeah. Yeah. If you did that at 1,000 feet over anchors, there'd be people, uh, they would think the earth was splitting open. It's not even funny. So that would just be ridiculous. But back in the 90s, up here flying eagles. Um, so somewhere it was, I think it was the summer of 94, 95. I can't remember which. Guy at the time was a brand new lieutenant colonel. He goes on eventually, um, I won't say the name here, but he goes on eventually to become a four-star. Great guy. Knew him since he was a major and I was a lieutenant. So he's really talented pilot. Did some cool stuff like flew red eagles before we acknowledged we had Soviet aircraft, you know, all that kind of stuff back in the day. And, uh, he was out on a, on a mission. I think it was a 4v4 out in the stony airspace, which is, you know, 100 plus miles to the west of us here. And there's this little village called Stony, right, at the, where the river comes in. And it's Stony Village, and it's in the stony military operating, in the stony mower, the stony airspace. They're out there doing this, whatever, and he's chasing a guy down, and he is just hauling the mail. And he's probably about 1.3 mock, chasing the, the bad guy, right? In the heat of the battle, not thinking about the fact Stony Village has kind of a little no-fly zone. It's like, I don't know, a couple miles to like 3,000 feet. So we're not ripping across the village all the time, you know, causing all kinds of chaos for the folks that live there. 
totally forgot about it. Zipped over this village at like, you know, 2,000 feet at 1.3 Mach. And that is a big bow wave, my friend. I mean, that is breaking windows and knocking people over, that kind of stuff. And you can you can literally go in there. You can knock, you, you break all kinds. You'd knock you on your tail. It'd knock you 10 feet. Um, the, the shockwave, because it's a wall of air that's being compressed. And the lower you are and the faster you are, the worse it is, right? You see him thinking like a bomb going off and you said big shockwave going out. So he just rocked Stony Village. Now, how much damage was done, who knows really? But the two funny parts are, well, three really, when after it happened and they made phone calls and they were complaining, whatever, the poor guy had to get in front of the entire wing, all the pilots, and, and basically tell us how he screwed up. So he had to tell the story and all of his lessons learned. You know, that's, that's enough of a punishment, really. Then they put him on a helicopter and gave him a, a suit full of like uh, a suitcase full of like fifty thousand in cash and sent him out there and go out and fix it. So you know if you broke windows, here's a you know five hundred bucks. If you broke this throat, so he had to go do that for a day of his life. And then the funniest thing of all, which was later when he left to go on to his next assignment, we had a guy in the squadron that was basically an artist. He was really he's another fighter pilot. He was really good artist and he drew stuff. So he drew this picture of this guy. <laughs> It was a two-frame, it was a big picture, like a big poster. I mean, professionally done, because he's an artist. And his, in his afterlife, I guess he was, his life after flying fighters. And it's a big two-pane, one cut in half. The top half shows Stony Village with a guy hanging out, like with a drink in his hand by the, the water fountain in the middle, you know, and it's idyllic, and everybody's in there, and everything's nice. And you see this moose walking along down the street, and here's an F-15 in the background. You can see it coming, right? <laughs> And then the bottom half of the picture shows that, you know, the F-15 is now gone by at high speed. And you see the guy is sitting there like his clothes are ripped off, but he's like, mm, got good kick or something. Like he had said, like, you know, this is really good whiskey because the kick was so big. The moose had a big thing sticking over its head from like a barrel that had gotten blown. I mean, it, did, it was the funniest picture he wrote. And Hawk was just like hanging his head like, OK, you got me. You know, but he could never, he could never live that one down. It was something I'm like, boy. It's put, pretty funny. Put that in your so, office yeah. on the wall of shame. I mean, the hall of oh, fame. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. He's very proud of that now. I'm that it's all over, but it is the funniest dog in picture. So, well, that was so, the wasn't. There was another general that uh, there was another general, <clears throat> or it was a. I don't know if he was a general or he was a high-ranking officer on a base, and uh, he had it. It was his final flight in an F four Phantom, and he flew in between two hangers uh i remember seeing the video uh or the picture of it where you can actually see the wake of the you could see the the circle of the bow wake as he blows between these two hangers at like 150 feet off the ground and uh i remember he the whole thing was he got he couldn't fly anymore it was his last flight he knew it and so he had always wanted to do that in a phantom and he blew i mean that's it's fun, but it's dangerous. I mean, if you've seen the movie Top Gun and see what it does to those, the, like the little hut in that movie, it definitely will get your attention. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and that, that Hornet, because it was actually not a super, you know, jet, they imposed that, but it was actually a Hornet that flew over, a super Hornet. When you see the footage of making the movie, it wasn't a supersonic. So that's a bow wave and kind of this little shock wave, not even going supersonic yet. Once you hit supersonic speeds, like you actually break stuff like seriously it's it can be pretty dangerous for people on the ground As a matter of fact it's a helicopter guys out there will love me for saying this but one of our tactics well known i mean it's not a secret or anything everybody knows it is for helicopters because they're really hard to shoot down because they can stop and hover and defeat radar missiles all kinds of interesting physics behind it but one of the tactics was was to go really fast supersonic you know as fast as you could get 
and literally fly right over the top of the helicopter, 30 feet, 50 feet, because the shock wave would, and they tested this, would separate the helicopter blades from the helicopter. In which case, yeah. it no longer flies. Yeah, just shred it, the it rotor. Into a ball. Yeah, just shred the yeah. rotor and and so. and watch it drop, kind of thing. Interesting stuff. It was a it was a valid tactic to uh, take a helicopter down. Yeah, you didn't have missiles or couldn't get whatever. Just fly over supersonic really close and devastating. So, yeah. Anyways, what are well, let's uh, let's uh, continue. Uh, let's continue on here and talk a little bit about some of the things yesterday. And I'm sure you've been working, so you probably didn't hear it. We had Brad Keithley on. And he brought up some interesting points, but one of the things that he brought up was uh, the latest report from the Permanent Fund Corporation on the status of the earnings reserve account. And he put out a chart that kind of charted what they were trying to say. The Permanent Fund Corporation is now saying that the ERA only has $540 million available in it. Now, the voodoo accounting that they did for that means that they already accounted for the 2025 draw and a bunch of other things. But it, basically, you could see right now that the argument is going to be, we just don't have enough money in the ERA, so we're not going to be able to pay out a permanent fund this next year. Um, and this seems to be kind of the tactic where they create the crisis, and now they're going to exploit the crisis. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what are your thoughts on how the, you know, Go ahead. Mike, we've been saying this for years. The goal of certain old guard members, maybe even some new ones, into the legislature. There are some new ones, actually, that don't like the dividend. The goal of certain lobbyists and groups that want to make sure all that money is preserved for government so they get their slice of the pie. They don't want it in the hands of the people. And probably the fund itself, not as much against the permanent fund dividend as just wanting to manage it like a sovereign wealth fund where they don't have to worry about this pesky dividend thing. Like they want the earnings reserve to go away. They want one big corpus that can't be touched um, and used for dividend checks because that's the ultimate excuse, right? Once you get there, they don't have to make up the, you don't have to listen to the argument, oh, you're breaking the law, you're not following the statute. They're so tired of hearing it, which is why I'm so disappointed that people have battle fatigue on this one. Because the legislators need to be hearing that over and over and over again. You're breaking the law. You guys don't follow the law because it's valid. And not just on the POP, on all kinds of topics, right? The 90-day thing. I mean, they want to repeal that so bad. One of the legislators had a thing to repeal it. And they talk about, well, you know, we don't want to repeal the will of the people on ranked choice voting. But you're certainly happy to repeal the will of the people on the 90 days that they I mean, so the, the goal here, Mike has been for some time, you can see it in their actions and the maneuvering, to get the ERA down to where it can't be used, to get it all transferred into the corpus so it can no longer be touched, and it will be nothing but a fund available at the whim, because that's how it's played out, right? And the courts in Alaska have said it's a-okay. It's the whim of the legislators for how much they deign to give you from the fund, if anything at all. And it's all preserved at this point for government. That's where it's headed. Anybody that wants to be intellectually honest about it can see it. Look how much money they've moved at this point. Billions and billions of dollars into the corpus. And they're so proud of that. We're protecting it for future generations and we're moving it into the corpus. Well, but you've violated the intent of what previous legislators, legislatures and governors did to create the permanent fund and the dividend. You have violated the intent of the statute and the people to provide a portion of the state's wealth to the people. You're denying the fact that it helps 
the poor and the middle class the most. And it is a boon to our economy that always comes out right at the end of summer when people need the help, right? In October, as we get into the doldrums of winter and tourism's dead and et cetera. So it's, it's just, I'm as tired as you guys are. I'm tired of talking about it because right. we're, they're, they're getting away with it. And yeah. that's where this is headed. And yeah. Cause I, we, I, I predict and foresee the end of the thought, the end of the dividend. Yeah. Well, that's, I think this is, this is the beginning of the end right here. You're seeing this when they're, when you've got the permanent fund corp doing this uh, kind of mathematical wizardry where there's actually, you know, billions of dollars in the ERA, but then they start to say, well, but this is what it's going to be. We're going to take the draw next year. And we're going to, and it's, it, the thing is, here's the thing. It's fallacious because there's going to be a deposit into that account from the earnings of the fund for 2023, 24, 25. That's going to go in there, but they're showing what money is in there right now. And they're already encumbering future future payouts of it and saying see it's going to be drained but that's not true because there's going to be more money but it, and then like you said on top of that uh Bert Stedman and company have transferred what eight billion dollars over the last three years into the corpus from the ERA to drain it down I mean it's I don't know the exact number but it's in that ballpark yeah yeah it's, it's a good portion it's of somewhere it. between six and eight billion dollars I can't remember exactly I know it's at least six it could be up to eight billion dollars that have been transferred in there for a variety of reasons and now they're like oh look there's no money in there well because you tra- it's a crisis of your own making and now they can go ahead and justify what they're doing on it sure of course that, that it's just any surprise to anybody that's paying attention. No, you know it. Most of your listeners know it. Um, but Mike, I mean, we're outnumbered. Those of us that's, I mean, I thought we had a little more support for the dividend in the Senate. Apparently not. When you look at a few of the people that have traditionally said they support the dividend, well, that went out the window when it came to gain power this last year. <clears throat> what I had three Republicans and two Democrats, I think, or that's about it that voted with me on the for my amendment in the budget debate to pay the statutory dividend or like we've been saying, Mike, if we're not going to do it and we're not going to follow the law, then let's have a comprehensive plan. And they didn't do that either. So um, that wasn't even looked at this time. But my point is, is even the people that have been saying for years, I support the statutory dividend. No, you don't. Because you just voted to kill it again this year. Like about five or six senators total voted for it. And two of them were Democrats. And one of them, to his credit, is a new one from Anchorage, and he was intellectually honest about it. We probably are as far apart as you're going to get on most policies, but he campaigned on it. He talked about it behind closed doors, and he voted for it, doggone it. Um, none of the rest of them did. Yeah. No. So I mean, I'm, I'm tired of listening to that. I support the dividend. No, you don't. You support big government. You support reserving it for government. And I'm tired of listening to the, the campaign trail. Because next year, Mike, watch. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're going to support the dividend again next year. Mark <laughs> my words. Yeah, no, no, I can see it. Well, and the the worst part is, is that we're seeing the start of the death of the dividend, and within the next couple of years, it'll be, oh well, you Alaskans aren't paying your fair share. You know, we should, we should. All, <laughs> yeah. I can see it already. We can see the handwriting on the wall. All right, Mike Showers, our guest. We'll be back with more of the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. 
because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Uh, let's see, Mike Shower is our guest uh, here on the program, and uh, yeah, <clears throat> the latest on this thing for B uh, Buzzy Peltola passing away is apparently he was, well, according to the, the report here, he was doing some work, he was engaged in work with the Minto Development Corporation, he basically had dropped off two hunters to a, cra to a site and then crashed on takeoff. The hunters got to him, but they couldn't stop the bleeding, and he passed away. So um, I don't know exactly what work he was doing for the <clears throat> Minto Development Corp. at the time, but uh, he has passed, and it was a, basically it was a takeoff crash, which is the you know most dangerous times, takeoff and landings. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Straight lines, not that big yes, a deal, yes. but takeoffs and landings, always the big deal. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Mary Peltola, and uh, hopefully she uh, – uh, you know, I, I mean, hopefully they find some comfort in that. But yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. Um, but uh, um, that's uh, like that's the that's the humanity side. Doesn't matter how much I disagree with somebody, or even if I dislike them, yep. which is much yep. more rare. Um, I'm never going to wish something bad to happen for anybody because that's bad karma. I'm being, you know, what goes around comes around. I'm not. We should never wish bad on people. So I feel bad for her and her family. Because this is always going to hurt. It's going to happen to all of us. Yeah. And uh, none of us would appreciate somebody, you know, going after us. And that, that kind of vitriol is out there. You know, people, when they said stuff, you know, like about Rush Limbaugh, I remember some of the left were just bragging right. about them. Like, really? Man's dying or died and you're just going to, I mean, that's sick. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. That's just sick. That's evil. Yeah. You don't do that to somebody else and their family when somebody passes away or they're sick. You, look, you tell them, I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah, and I understand that. So we have our disagreements, but boy, I really feel bad for you, and I'm very sorry. Yeah, you that's the end of it. Yeah, you never want to. You never want to see that because, again, uh, Nick Begich just quoted in this article: "Words cannot express the pain of suddenly and tragically losing a loved one." Our team sends prayers and heartfelt condolences to Rep Peltola and her family in this time of grieving. Uh, this is Nick Begich, who, of course, his grandfather, Nick Begich the first. Uh, died in a plane crash uh, himself. So, I mean, this could happen, especially in Alaska. This can happen to anybody. You don't just, you don't just say <clears throat> good riddance to bad rubbish or anything like that. No matter who they are, because it could happen to you or another loved one. I mean, I, I think that's just called basic humanity. Yeah, we saw some of that stuff come out. Like the the Limbaugh thing really stuck out. Some of the people who were saying stuff that was just out of control. I mean, where's where's your humanity? Where's your humanity? Yeah, the, the loss of somebody, the, the grief that somebody goes through with loss like this um, should transcend everything else. Politics, anything that you disagree on, whatever it is, it should transcend that because that person's hurting and the family's hurting. And you just, you know, you're there to support them, you know, and when the time's right and we get back to talking politics, we can disagree and yell at each other again. But now's not the time for that. Yeah. Right? So, still, right? Well, it is what it yeah, is. I just, and it... I just read that last time. Yeah, so our thoughts and prayers go out, and and uh, we wish them comfort and uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know in this time of crisis, it's a it's a tough deal for sure. Um, all right, <clears throat> well we are coming up on um, we're about two minutes out here, uh, real quick. Uh, you want to talk a little? I don't want to. I don't want you to let cats out of the bag, but I would like to talk in general terms about 
strategy for what you in the Senate, you three in the Senate, you know, general kind of strategy for how you're going to be dealing with the with the leadership again coming in this upcoming session. Can we do that without letting, you know, any kind of I don't want to let battle plans out or anything, but you know what I mean? No, I mean, we can talk about that after the break. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, good. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, any other comments here? Uh, <clears throat> uh, do not end the dividend. Instead, bring forth a second dividend. Randy is still stuck on his second dividend thing. The two PFD would be a model after the original one, and we need to. We need to. Do... <laughs> Randy, I love you, man. I really love you, but seriously, that is just. We can't get a single PFD, and you want to create another one. In, in the whole thing. I mean, like this first one is not convoluted enough and we can't get them to follow that law. We get your law passed and you really think that there's going to be a second PFD. I mean, that's all the money that they're going to want to, uh, you know, they, they never saw a dollar. They didn't want to spend Mike. That was the biggest thing. They've never seen a dollar. They didn't want to spend. And they've been trying to get their hands on the corpus of the fund for years. This is just that. This is the play that they're making right now. Yeah, you will never get it past this legislature. You might get it past the House right now in the current configuration. You never get it past the Senate. They might look at it. What I get? Like I said, five or six votes for a statutory yeah. PFT. Yeah. And that, that and it's funny. You're not going to get anything else. They're not even. They're not even interested. These old guard guys aren't even interested. In a, I say guys, everybody, not just guys. They're not interested in even a, a balanced, comprehensive fiscal plan. At all. Oh, no, They're no. Certainly not gonna oh, come on. They've got a balanced, comprehensive fiscal plan. Jesse Bjorkman was quoted the other day about that, pointing to the Senate's plan and saying, yeah. well, this is a solid fiscal plan, this 675-25. That's going to work. That's <laughs> that's the plan. The plan is to take it all out of the PFD. That's the. But again, is it sustainable? No, because where's, we, the, where's the cuts? Where's the cuts it, in his plan? It runs out. The, uh, oh, you got to go. The hold, hold the line. Here we go. The Michael yeah, yeah. Duke show. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, Mike Shower, our guest, the final segment of the show this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about strategy, uh, kind of high level. Obviously, you know, maybe they're planning on trying to, to do some. I, anyway, I just kind of want some high level strategy here. We've got a group of three legislators that have basically been disenfranchised by the majority, kicked out, sent to the curb. All their people that they represented are not being represented in the Senate right now. And so they've got to have some kind of they got to have some kind of plan, overarching plan to, you know, to go in there. So in broad terms, uh, in specifics, talk to me a bit about the strategy of what the three of you are trying to do this upcoming part of the session, uh, especially since you're not in a an official minority. So you don't get a press secretary or anything. You don't get all the framework of things that a normal minority would get. So what's the what's the overarching strategy here, Mike? What what are you guys what are you guys planning? What 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 would you what do you have to deal with? Well, you can see the overall level of vitriol is pretty high in the Alaska Senate, right? Based on how the three of us have been treated, it's I mean, it's not. I don't believe it's ever happened. Um, that shows their disdain for those of us that refuse to give our vote. 
because this always has been about the Biden caucus. Mike, they know that is a dirty four-letter word in Alaska. Our campaign to get that word out has been very successful. Many people know what it is now, and they hate the fact that they get tagged with that. They try to tell you it's not a binding caucus. Well, yeah, it is. The Senate president said it was, right in the press conference at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's a binding caucus. The, one of the finance co-chairs said it was. Several others said it. So others are scrambling to CYA on this one because they know the people do not want them giving their vote to leadership on the budget because that's all the leverage in the world, Mike. It's all about the budget. It's not about individual bills and all the rest of it. It's about the budget, which includes the PFD. And when you decide to vote for the budget, which most of them did, except the three of us, it's got the reduced PFD in it, then you are voting for a reduced PFD. You're saying that's okay. You know why I say that? Because if you disagreed with the lower PFD, then you would not vote for the budget because you thought, well, send it back. We need to renegotiate that. It's not good enough. That's a negotiation. Binding caucus, giving your vote away, is a capitulation, which is exactly what the Senate president said they wanted out of the House. They actually had a reporter ask a very good question at a Juno, no less. Not, not a Juno reporter. It was an Anchorage-based one. I said, do you want cooperation or do you want capitulation? And the Senate president didn't skip a beat. said, well, capitulation would be nice. That's how they operate, Mike. And then they twisted arms and like said, I believe still to this day, and I would love to see again a class action lawsuit to set the precedent against the Senate majority for violating the Constitution because it is crystal clear, crystal clear, that they violated the Constitution by never handing the capital budget to the House to do its job. And both bodies are required to get both all bills via the Constitution. To look at them, vet them, run them through committees, amend, do their thing. They never got it. That is a clear violation, Mike, of our Constitution. And nobody in the press has called them on it. There's not a group of citizens stepping up right now and, and suing them, getting a hotshot lawyer somewhere to go, yeah, this can't happen again. We're not going to allow this. And that, that's the premise. It's the base, that's the baseline we're working with, Mike. That's the corrupted foundation, that they can twist arms and do that and violate the Constitution willingly in your face and nothing happens. So do you think that somehow they're going to come back and get better or nicer or more cooperative after doing that and telling the House to pound sand and the House to go, okay, you know? No. They just got a new MO, right? This is like the, the mass thing and all the power that was handed to people during COVID. They found the thing that scared enough people into submission. Right. Well, you think they're not yeah. going to use that again? And we've of seen, they will. we've seen, times, right? right? Well, we've seen it in the past. Remember when the first time Bert Stedman tied some kind of work project to voting on the bill, where if you didn't vote for the bill that he wanted, he was going to cut off funding to projects that had been in the works for years. He did do that. Yeah, he did do and that, it, and it worked. And he kept using it because it worked. That's the thing. When you, you negotiate with terrorists, they continue to do what they've been doing because they saw it was successful. Now, that's me talking. That's not Mike talking. But I know. it's the same well, kind of thing. Don't get me locked into this one. They'll say I said something, and I didn't say that. Right. But I will say that it is not ethical to twist arms like that and withhold funding for capital projects because most of those are safety of life type issues. Those are repairing roads and bridges, building new roads for the traffic we have, like in the Massey, for example, a bridge for backup capability across, et cetera, et cetera. That's not appropriate. Budgetary items, the operational budget going up and down, I get that. But capital budget, Mike, needs to be fair and balanced, and it's not. And it's used as a political weapon. It has been used. I've seen it with my own eyes. You know about it. A whole bunch of people. This is like violating the Constitution. 
oh, we're just never going to give the budget to the House. Wait a minute. You can't do that. It's in the Constitution. Who called them? Did anybody say anything? Did it get vetoed and sent back? No. Nothing happened, Mike. So they will continue to use it because this is the power they have, and nobody will call them on it. And in fact, all nine Democrats joined them, and the eight Republicans signed up and said, yeah, supermajority, we're okay with this. We don't, Apparently, that's okay because they all voted for it. I don't know what to say to that, Mike, other than you, that is complicity, right? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing when you don't vote against it, then you must approve of it. Well, and that's what, that was what was so disappointing to me on the House side. I would have stood firm and voted against it simply not even because of the budget or the budget number or the amount. I would have simply voted against it because of the process, because you are violating tradition, rules, procedure and the Constitution. I, I, you can't, you know, because, again, the first time you give in to that, they'll continue to do it. Now, the interesting thing is, what is the House going to do in this part of the session and this go around? Because it's going to be flipped. It's going to be operating budget in the Senate and capital budget in the House. What's going to happen? Are they going to have to be passing in the hallway? Or is it what you know, what's going to what's going to go on? What do you think? Well, I can tell you this. The uh, the old guard in the Senate seriously played his hand. It's really pissed off a lot of members, and there are, there are some smart people in the House that have been there long enough to say, we're not playing this game. And they even pissed off some of the old guard ones that are in the House, right? Which is pretty hard to do because they usually work together. And I know this from talking to a lot of House members because I'm trying to cultivate good relationships there, even trying with some of the new people in the Senate and have, I think, decent relationships, but so be it. The power is more important, I think, right now to get the positions. I understand it. I don't have to like it, but I do understand why certain people are doing things. But I will tell you, the House as an organization, if you exclude the minority, that's going to squawk about everything and try to align with the Senate, because that's where their Democrat friends are. The House Republican members, they're not happy. And I've heard some of them say, the Senate will not get the budget from us until they hand us the other one, period. They're not going to get it. So the Senate has essentially basically cut off that avenue for themselves, because I think what you're going to see this time around is the Senate. Um, or the House going, we're not giving it to you because you screwed us, and we're not trusting you again. So until the other budget's in our hands, you're not getting this one. That's what I think is probably going to happen. And that's just based on rumblings I hear from people, how they're going to play the game. And uh, frankly, my, uh, if I was them, that's what I would do. I said, after last year, I'm not giving you this budget. When you transmit the budget to us, we'll transmit the other part to you. Period. Why would you do anything else? Right. No, I mean, exactly. Why would you? Because other, and then if if this let's just say it does happen again and they're like, well, we're not going to do it until or we're going to transmit it at the last minute, which they did this last time. They transmitted it with, what, five hours to go or something. Um, basically, yeah, basically just refuse to. No, we're we're, we're not going to do that because we're not going to only have five hours to go over an annual budget. Uh, in this case, it was the capital budget. This next time around, it'll be the, the whole operating budget. You can't review that in five hours. You can't look at that yeah, and go, like you know, you can't do that. It'll take two, three weeks to go through that stuff. Uh, the, the House, that's what it's always taken. Yeah, that's the time. That's the House right. passed the budget over to the Senate four weeks before the end of session. You can't you can't just go over it in five hours and do that. And if they do that, if they do that kind of thing and they hold it back until the last minute, I say the House should call their bluff and basically say, nope, we're not going to do it. We're, we're you know, we're going to extend or we're going to, you know, we're going to gavel out or whatever until and have a special session because we're not going to do it in five hours. We're not going to give in to that kind of uh, those kind of threats and that kind of coercion. 
I agree with you. That's how I would play the game if I was in their shoes. Um, it's not fair. It's not right. And frankly, that's another unethical action. And Mike, beyond unethical, it's unconstitutional. I'm telling you, brother, it's unconstitutional. I don't think this is ever going to come forward. I don't see anybody stepping up to fight this battle. There's no way we can in our position. Um, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right? So I, I don't think anybody's going to call them on it. And we'll see how it plays out next time around. As far as the rest of it, never really, I mean, we kind of get running out of time, didn't get to the rest of your question. But look, that'll be part of our focus. We'll be on, you know, amendments forcing us to follow the law, let those legislators have to run on their record of not following the law or not doing things in the best interest of the um, the state or maybe not following campaign promises, right? Yeah. There's going to be plenty of that next year for yeah. people to have to run. So I plan on filing all the amendments that need to be filed across the board. Yeah. So people accountable. Again, and, and focus on next year because again the elections are coming and that's how you get them is on the is on the votes that they put forward in the year before the election all right mike shower thank you my friend hold the line for just a second folks we're out of time tomorrow we talk about the change in attitude towards education in the country and then we'll be talking with nick Begich in hour two candidate for u.s house the michael luke show be kind love one another live well Okay, uh, final thoughts, Mike. I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the the ground here. We were we were pushing it hard, so uh, I'll give you the final thoughts here, and you can wrap up on the way out. Well, I, I wish we had a little more time to talk about education because I think we all have some thoughts on it. But I I don't blame the students today, Mike. I blame the system, and this is specifically college. My question is, why does college now cost the better part of a quarter of a million dollars? That is yep. a failure of the system. That is greed within a cottage industry of professors and others that are making a ton of money and they're not having to produce much of anything and they're saddling our kids with debt and families with debt. They simply can't afford. And in many cases for degrees, they're never going to be able to use. Yeah, exactly. Most, probably most of those degrees, Mike, will never be usable for them. They'll have to go and get OJT and other things or do something else. It's just, it's a ridiculous thing. And, and if you're not sure of what you want to do before you go to college, you shouldn't be going. You shouldn't be going to college that costs a quarter of a million dollars with no idea what you're going to do and figure it out when you get there. That's just a dumb idea. No, don't do that. Go to college to be a you know a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist. Well, yeah, okay, you got to go. For everything else, go to trade school or go work for a while before you figure it out. And then if you need college, go. But beyond that, we have a cottage industry that is just, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars saddling Americans and kids with debt. It's it's a it's a travesty in its own right. It really is. So that's the question to be asked. Yeah. Not of the kids, but of the system. What yeah, no. And that, why are the professors and others not changing it? Well, I think they're waking up. I think people are waking up to the fact that this is a bit of a scam. That basically, you know, get a good education, get a good job, you'll be successful. Everybody's got to have a college degree. Um, why? Uh, why do I have to saddle myself with a quarter of a million dollars in debt, you know, or 200 or 250 for just a general state college, let alone for one of the big ones, Harvard or Yale or whatever? I mean, you're talking about half a million bucks or more going to those places. And what does it actually give me in the long run? Does it does it do anything, you know, does it do anything for me? Where more and more people now are going to, like you said, voc ed, uh, on-the-job training, apprenticeships, rocket courses. I mean, all that kind of stuff. That is the that is the way of the future. And I think people are starting to get it. I think the pendulum is swinging back in the other way. And that's going to be, I'll be honest, 
That's going to be very bad for colleges. You're going to hear a lot of crying and boo-hooing from colleges about how they need more state support now that they've lost all this income that's coming in. And a lot of places will try and prop them up because of it. And it's just, it's a, it's a sinkhole. It's a money pit. They need to stop. Yeah, Mike, but uh, teachers unions are powerful. Um, they have a lot of support and, and it's not just them per se. They get a lot of support from the other big organized unions, AFL-CIO, IBW. They're one big happy family, Mike. They're going to support each other for that cut of the, of the taxpayer dime. They will. And so it's a hard thing to overcome. And remember, Alaska is a very union-centric state. It is a yep. lot of union power comparatively. And with a small population and a massive public sector on top of that, this is, this is a very hard problem to solve. You're not going to solve that with a few new legislators. It's just not. So, yeah. you know, and, and I get people upset about it in your crowd and the, and the radio audience, but folks, you got to have numbers back to 21, 11, one and five, you know, or three, I guess, in the Supreme court, because a lot of this stuff goes to Supreme court, but you know, you got to have the numbers or you're not going to yeah. win these battles in a state that is controlled by unions. Uh, and, and frankly, it is from my perspective of what I see, yep. they have massive influence and massive money. So, it's just one of many problems, you know, like getting the power back from the federal government. You go, what do we do? Well, one of the things is go back to the original ten of our framers, which was this is a federated system where the federal government is not overly powerful. Well, in the last hundred years, our federal government has basically usurped just about all the power. Right. One of the things we can do to change that is go back to the states having all of that power that was never meant to be in the hands of the federal government. Right. That would start swinging some of the pendulum back where it needs to be so that we can regionally take care of ourselves and form local control. But that's going to be a hard road to hoe as well. Yeah. There's no, a it's, lot of money and power in the middle. It's a heavy yeah. lift. It's a heavy lift. Once they've got a taste, they don't want to give that power up. That's for sure. All right. Well, Mike Shower, yeah. thank you, my friend. It's good to talk with you. We will catch you next week, baby. All right? I should, I should be good next week, so hopefully we'll be on normal normal. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Appreciate you calling in. All right, folks, we're out of time. We've got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show